I'd love to this morning preach um, on a topic. It's actually kind of a follow-up preach to something I preached at a conference. Um, I preached about being worthy of your calling, and this message I would title it being worthy of the gospel. And everyone's like, huh? Worthy of the gospel. And don't worry, it's not language I've made up. You're going to see it's in the Bible, and it's written like that. Worthy of the gospel. And because I think it will show that there are some objections that we have. Remember, we are, we, are, we are living in a society and in a culture that will shape the way that we think about most things. And so when we read the scripture, we can interpret it a certain way. And that's why I even prayed like I did about the power of God. Because I feel like God wants to break strongholds where people would even come thinking that Christianity is a standard that I have to live up to. That is not what this is. You do not have to measure up to the gospel. Actually, it's very opposite. Is that okay? And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes and speak to us in your wonderful name. So can we go to Philippians 1, verse 27 to 28? And this is what the Bible says. And it says, um, but whatever happens to me, you must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Or the ESV would say, live your lives in a manner of life worthy of the gospel as citizens of heaven. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side fighting together for the good news. And the next one. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. And there is three little things that I want to take out there that show you how you can live a life. This is what Paul is saying. As a Christian, there is a way that you can live a life that doesn't measure up to the gospel, but it shows the value and the worth of the gospel to the world. Do you know that? That actually, we are not called to be on a balancing scale. Maybe if I could have Elijah. Strong Elijah, stand over here for me. And if Elijah was one of those old scales for us, you can face everybody and you can put your two arms out. And often it's like one of those balancing scales where we would put something, I want to put something very heavy and hurt your arm and make you stand your day, but I won't. Um, but it's not like, if this is the gospel and it's put in this hand, very often we think, oh my goodness, now I have to have quiet times, go to church, read my Bible, pray every day, do the right things, stop drinking, stop smoking. I have to do these things so that the scale will be balanced. That's how most Christians live their life. Am I right? For most of us, that would deem whether or not we feel like we're doing well in our Christian walk. Am I not out of control? Am I, am I not angry? Am I not, if I do amazing things, then I can be equal to the gospel. Then I'm, then I'm worthy. But that's not the message of the scripture at all. Thank you, Elijah, you can sit. You do not have to measure up to the worth of the gospel because you can't. You can't. It is the good news. It is the good news. But what Paul does say is that you can have a manner of life that will show people how incredible this gospel really is. So I'm going to read this in the ESV. I gave you NLT. I'm so sorry. I was actually prepared in ESV. Um, 
And so there's three little ways that he says this. And the one is this. He says, so whether I come and see you absent, am I here? And this is the first way. The first way that you can show how incredible the gospel is to the world around you by the way that you live. The first way you could do that is like this, that you are standing firm in one spirit. That you in your menial little life with a job, with a nine to five or a nine to six by some people's cases, every single day, day in and day out, you actually get to put on display how incredible this message of what Jesus did is. And the first one is by standing firm. Do you know that it, it could be like, well, that's pretty obvious. No, 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 it's not obvious. Why? Because we live in a postmodern society where everything is subjective and you only stand for what you believe or what you feel now. And as your feelings change, so what you stand on changes. You, you even watch Christians do this theologically. One moment they're standing firm in the promises of God and then they don't feel so great. So now they're standing firm in some other. And Paul is saying, no, 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 actually there is a, in your life, if you are somebody who is not blown to and fro with every funny doctrine that comes through. One minute it's this hyper, I'm at church every single week and I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm amazing and then the next week I'm gone and forgotten for three weeks in the desert wilderness. No, but there is a way that a Christian can show how incredible the gospel is by the fact that they live a life, that they are standing firm. Not tossed to and fro. Oh my goodness, the rand is collapsing and the world is in chaos and your money is falling apart and what are you going to do in these potholes and you should run away from this country and you need to go and do stuff. Standing firm shows people something about the gospel. Oh, I'm insecure. They're retrenching at work and I could do this and this is happening. Standing firm. Why? Because we're in a world where nothing is firm. Everything is shaken. The Bible speaks about what can be shaken will be shaken. Anything not built on the rock will be shaken. If there are areas of your life where you are shaking, I'm asking you, is it in the rock? Because if it's not, it will be shaken. And so as a believer, you have the opportunity, and it is an outward display of how important the gospel is by being somebody who stands firm. Actually speaks about an internal security in your salvation. An internal security in the fact that you, this world can and will probably be taken from you. But what can't be taken from you? Eternity. Eternal life. What is eternal life? To know Him. First point, we can do this by standing firm. <laughs> Second one, with one mind striving side by side. As a believer, how can we reflect this incredible gospel that the Lord has given us by not being backfooted, passive, lukewarm Christians that are doing nothing? One of those, when you tell people, like, 
it's that age-old story about the guy who decides he works at the docks and he's never going to tell anybody he's a Christian. He's going to let his life reflect that he's a Christian. He's never going to say it. He's just going to be an example in the workplace by working hard, but he'll never say anything. And after 25 years of working at the docks, being a Christian, never saying anything, but just, just not stealing and just being at time and just comes to his retirement day. And his whole life, nobody's ever gotten saved. But at his retirement party, an old lady says to him, Jack, there's something different about you. And she pulls him aside and he says, she says, I've noticed something is different about you. Are you perhaps a vegetarian? <laughs> and it's a light-hearted story and a joke, but it's, I, I'm referring to the fact that to be a Christian is not to be passive. To be a Christian is not to tag along on the roller coaster that's heading towards heaven. To be somebody who follows Jesus and reflects how incredible this gospel is, is to be somebody who is striving side by side, not doing it alone. The most dangerous thing in the kingdom is lone rangers. Those who are running out trying to bring the promises of God, trying to unveil the mysteries, trying to, on their own trying to build a ministry about them, trying to do incredible things on their No, no, no. How do you, you run with people around you. You live a life of community and fellowship and praying and encouraging and being in each other's homes and loving people that are not like you. Newsflash. Most of those people in that corner are not like most of these people in this corner. But there is a way that this corner can reflect how incredible the gospel is by being active Christians, striving for the gospel side by side with them. Striving side by side. It's a second way that you can literally show the value of the gospel message that we've received. Because you can tell people oh man, the message of Jesus is so great. Yeah, but show me what it's worth. We're going to go into a little deep moment quickly, and we'll come back. How does the Lord deal with the lukewarm believer in Revelation? Where are we ever taught that it's okay to be neither hot nor cold. You know, I'm not one of those Christians. I'm not one of those like religious, this is really zealous, those guys. I, I'm more like that Christian that, that doesn't say anything, but I'm not a bad person really. And I go to church and I go to community and that's kind of me. No, th there is a, a lukewarm element of being a believer that God is absolutely not pleased with. God's not looking to build a social club. Do you know that? And Jesus commanded his disciples, go out into all the world and make followers. No. Make disciples. How do you make disciples? Teach them to obey. 
teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. That, that's what Jesus is looking for. That's what Jesus came to die for. And I hope I'm not opposing you. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you a believer who, who you could say that my life reflects somebody that is striving for the kingdom side by side with others? When's the last time you worshipped with people outside of church? When's the last time you prayed with people outside of church? When's the last time you, I'm, I'm not talking about Sunday morning, this is, the, this is the Sunday where we gather together. I'm talking about your, is your life one of striving together, coming alongside people when they need encouragement and love? Finding somebody going through a hard time and how can I love you and support you and encourage you? Or noticing people not running after Jesus and coming alongside them and encouraging them. Joel, I know. I know that there's more for you. I know that God's got something for you. What's holding you back? What's the, that's striving side by side. It's not trying to produce good works. It's making sure we all get there together. This is not... The race into eternity is not a race that you're trying to win. You don't want to be the first one in the door. The martyrs beat you. They're already there. They, it was like that. It's not a, this is not the park. Who notices there are a few different types of people at the park run? There's those that are at the park run. Watches on, time set, goal marked, sub 20. Here we go. Running shoes on lined up, sussing out the competition. This is the park run. Ready to go. Like Austin. <laughs> I'm joking, Austin. There's nothing wrong with those guys in the park run. <clears throat> and then you get those that are like there for some kind of fitness. They're like, I don't do any exercise in the rest of the week. I just want to do something. I want to run on a Saturday morning. And they rock up with vans and like... They run like 35 minutes as opposed to the under 20 minute guys. And then you get all the moms and tots who are come, they're walking the 5K. Like they literally just, they bring coffee even to the park run. Like they're standing having a chat and the guy next to them is warming up like. <laughs> the kingdom is not like that. It's not about one person bringing their best shoes and look how fast I can run and look at my time and look how amazing I am. The kingdom is about all of us getting there together and along the way, bringing as many with us as we can. Thank you. That means at times we slow down the pace to make sure that we can bring everybody with. And at times we need to all pick up the pace because we all want to get to the end of what Jesus has for us. Striving side by side shows how incredible the gospel is to the world. Whew. Unfit. I need to do the, the park run. <laughs> yeah, not version one. I'm not that guy. James and Austin can do that. Do you know that one of the commands when Jesus, um, it says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. What is, what is one of the commands that Jesus commanded that we struggle with most? I believe. I think we can love. I think we can obey, but there is one commandment he gives a do not that I think is difficult. 
Jesus categorically commands this. Do not. Do not be anxious for anything. Do not worry. I have overcome the world. That for me personally, that is the most difficult. I can do the do's. That do not is tough. That do not is linked to wake up in the morning and you read your phone and you're like, oh my goodness. Before your Bible, you know, if we're honest. News. Although I must admit God has been amazing to kill News 24 for me because I'm not a subscriber. So you can't read anything anymore. You click on anything, it's like you need to pay. Oh. But the first thing, you, you, you can so quickly be bombarded by what is going on around us. Oh, hey guys, guess what? Petrol's coming down next month. Well, Petrol's going back up again. Load shedding's gone. We won the World Cup. Load shedding's back. <laughs> the Rand is doing amazing. The Rand is doing terrible. The Rand is doing, the Rand is doing terrible. You're like on this emotional rollercoaster of circumstance in life that is linked to our fear and concern. Oh, people aren't getting, are we, it comes to this time, end of year, guys are like, are we getting a bonus? Are we, aren't we not getting a bonus? The worries and cares and concerns of this world are hectic, but here's the third way that you can show the incredible message of the gospel to the world. Striving side by side for faith in the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. But we're a Christian. We shouldn't have opponents, but we do. What is the big war against in the life that we live? There is a massive war going on inside of us with an enemy that we are told to put to death. We are literally told, Christians, there is an enemy that you need to put to death. <laughs> the flesh. The sinful nature that we're all born with. These desires in our hearts that creep up and consume us and overwhelm us. And do you know what? That thing is always anxious. I used this illustration when I was in Muscle Bay. It's like, we're, it's like we're all born with a clock inside of us that's ticking, kind of loudly. And you don't understand the ticking. You just know that there's this tick, 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 tick. And we don't know, is it counting down? Is it counting up? Is it a bomb? Is it, what is it? And so people live their life trying to understand the ticking. Ecclesiastes 3.11 speaks about God has put eternity into the heart of man, and he doesn't understand it. And so every single one of us, believer or unbeliever, we all have this loud ticking clock. And so what people do is they try, the ticking can make you go crazy. So you try to drown it out. You try to blast music or you try to do you try to live a life that you can't hear the ticking inside of you or you or some people go so introspective that they they consume themselves with trying to figure out and trying to become enlightened and trying to understand the universe and trying to understand the energies of how things work or 
But ultimately, we've all got a clock. And if you don't know Jesus, that clock is ticking down because we've all been given a measure of time. But when you get saved, you realize that you're not running out of time. The clock is ticking down to an incredible event. And when that clock stops ticking, eternity begins. The best day for the rest of your life. That actually there is this eternal reward that we all live for. And you stop being afraid of the ticking. It doesn't make you anxious. It, it's probably just me. I'm a bit of a sensory child. Like, I struggle with it. I'm that dude that cuts all my labels off in my t-shirts so that they don't touch me. <laughs> When the wind blows, my wife laughs at me because I go into the room, and I, which is in most of summer. Um, <laughs> I close the curtains and I put headphones on because the wind drives me dilly. I, I, I feel anxious if the wind blows too long. It's just, I'm a special child. It happens. Um, it really, it, it drives me crazy and it, it causes this element of anxiety. And so what I do is when there's this constant blowing of the wind, <clears throat> I try everything to get away from it and get out of it. And it's the same like this eternal clicking in our hearts. Some people try and put a purpose to it, a career, a family. All these other things. That's what the prophetic words are speaking about this morning. God is saying, don't fall in love with all these other things. Understand that this clock is ticking down for an incredible time. And it's the fact that Jesus is coming back. And if you don't make it to the day that Jesus is coming back, it's the day that you go to be with him. That's so why we're not afraid of the ticking clock. Not being frightened by anything in your opponents. The fact that when you become secure in your salvation, when you become secure, death will lose its sting. If you are afraid of death, and listen, don't play games here. <laughs> I know you because I know me. How many of us, you can say, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of old age. I'm not afraid of, okay, but then what does your life look like? For some people, their whole life is about trying to make sure that I have enough for my whole life. Because this is all that I have is this life. Not being frightened. We are not those who live in fear. And in a world that is ridden with fear, it is this perfect display of the incredible message of the gospel. Why aren't they afraid? Why aren't they freaking out? Why aren't they fleeing to the nations? Why aren't they running away from South Africa and other countries? And Why aren't they on not falling apart with anxiety because our hope is somewhere else. You have a way that you can put on display the value of the gospel message and one of those things is by not being afraid of this world. Last thing, summarizing. Did you notice that as I read each of these things, there was a little common theme there? For example, it says this, that am I here that you are standing firm in one spirit? 
with one mind striving side by side, that there is this undergirding, incredible aspect of the gospel that we get to reflect, and it's something called unity, oneness. It's the, the biggest problem, if you look at the world, is that we are so divided. We divide on everything. Like, no, I don't believe you. Okay. iPhone users, hands up. Android users, hands up. Shame. Let's pray. <laughs> Diesel cars, hands up. Petrol cars, hands up. Yeah. And nowadays there's electric. No cars. Mazda feet, two feet. We divide on everything. It's called tribalism. It's a symptom of individualism, which is celebrated in our society. We rally around things that we mutually hate. That's, that's the nature of the world that we live in. You find groups of people that gather themselves because we are all anti Israel, or we are all anti-Palestine, or we are all anti-the government, or we're all, and that's how we group ourselves. But there is something different about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a unity and a oneness that that shows to the world. Jesus would say to his disciples this, by this the world will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. The fact that Grant, who is so absolutely different to Tony, (laughs) by the way that they love each other, there can be a message of the gospel. The fact that if you feel isolated and alone in church, there is a massive problem. And the problem doesn't stop by pointing at them and saying, I'm alone, it's their fault. No. Unity is something that we have to strive for, something that we have to want. You fight for unity. It's not the natural. That is not a state of homeostasis. Is humans do not, if you put them all in a room, they do not all come together. They naturally divide. If you do not fight for unity, you will find yourselves living in disunity. If you find yourself living in disunity, it's because you're not fighting for unity. Unity, oneness, same mind, same heart, same love. Why? Same Holy Spirit. How do you achieve unity? Quickly, one scripture, then we're landing. I don't know if I actually gave this one. I didn't give this one to you. I'm so sorry, Zuna. You have done amazing. This one is Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. How, how, how is unity possible? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus, who even though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality something that he should grasp for, but he emptied himself and he took the form of a servant and being in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How do you achieve unity? You have the same mind as Jesus, which is that of humility 
And when I see others around me, it's not my role to lord it over them and control them and tell them. That is the biggest cancer in church. I hate it. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You must do this. You find it with people all the time. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be doing this. No. No. We are not Christians by behavior. We behave like Christians because we love Jesus. So when somebody's behaving wrong, don't, you must fix your behavior. No. The symptom is telling me that there is a problem. You're disconnected from your Savior. You're living in a state of disconnection. Focus on what's important and the fruit follows. That's why it's fruit. And so totally there are times of correcting and instructing and it's, and it's through leadership and it's through love, but it's for the point of bringing you to relationship with Jesus. That's the only way that you fix things. Is that okay? I'm summarizing and I'm going to pray for us. So, we have been given this incredible message of the gospel. The good news of Jesus. The good news that you, a wretch, you sitting there today, the state of your heart even this week, probably even this morning, the fact that you can't live without sin. The Bible backs me up. It says if anyone doesn't, if anyone claims that there's no sin in them, you're a liar and you're calling God a liar. Every single one of us are in desperate need of this incredible message called the gospel. Every single one of us are living as constant reminders that our God is gracious and kind and compassionate. That He's loving and forgiving. None of us have earned the gospel. None of us can earn the gospel. But we can reflect how incredibly the value of this message to others by the way that we live. One of the worship team, Michael, 